Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. I want to start off with a question this afternoon. What responsibility do you have to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now that you're saved, that you're a Christian, what responsibility do you have to the gospel of Jesus Christ? You might say, well, I have responsibility to, to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you said that, you would be right. But only partially right. Actually, only 25% right. Because there are more than just one thing that you have a responsibility to the gospel about. In fact, it is crucial that you understand your fourfold responsibility to the gospel. It's crucial for us at Westside Baptist Church that we fulfill this fourfold responsibility to the gospel. It is crucial for the church in America that we fulfill this fourfold responsibility to the gospel. It is crucial for the kingdom of God that we fulfill this fourfold responsibility to the gospel. Well, preacher, what, what is my responsibility to the gospel? What is it that I might fulfill it? Well, that brings us to our study of Second Timothy. Take your Bibles and turn to Second Timothy. We're going to be studying this book now. It's very timely. Because Paul wrote to Timothy during a time of theological and moral confusion and apostasy. Much like we have in our own day. The Bible is being attacked in our day, even as it was in Timothy's day. Many of you are familiar with the Da Vinci Code. Uh, the book that is a fiction, but nevertheless the writer says based on historical fact, where he proceeds to destroy the Christian faith as you and I know it. Moral confusion reigns in our day. Uh, things that are right, people say, are wrong. Things that are wrong, people say now, are right. Paul's day, it was similar to this. And in this time of confusion, Paul told Timothy to be strong, to be brave, to be steadfast. And to stand against the tide. Three times in this small book, Paul is talking about the way things are in Timothy's society. And he says, but you, but you, Timothy, be different. By the Holy Spirit, God is calling you and I to be different. To stand against the pressure of public opinion. And not conform to the spirit of our age. Rather, we are to stand firm in the truth and in the righteousness of God. The fourfold charge that you and I have to the gospel, and all of these are imperatives in this letter. They are commands. First, we have the responsibility to guard the gospel. In chapter 1, verse 14. Paul says, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. 
Secondly, we are charged to suffer for the gospel. Look in chapter 2, verse 3. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Thirdly, we are called to continue in the gospel. Chapter 3, verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And then our fourth responsibility is to proclaim the gospel. Chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. As a young pastor, Timothy was to be faithful to carry out these charges in his ministry. As Christians, you and I are also to be faithful to carry out these four responsibilities to the gospel. Whether it's your ministry at home, or your ministry at work, or your ministry at church, or wherever you are. You are to guard the gospel, you are to suffer for the gospel, you are to continue in the gospel, and you are to proclaim the gospel. And you might be thinking, but preacher, I'm weak. I'm inadequate to defend the gospel at work or at school. You know, I'm just not a bold kind of person. I'm just kind of shy, and I'm kind of timid. I just don't think I can stand up at work and, and defend the gospel and guard it. Or suffer for the gospel. Preacher, you know, I just, I just don't like pain. I mean, I just don't really think I can suffer for the gospel. I'm just not a strong person. I, I just can't do that. I just don't have what it takes to fulfill these commands. Well, that brings us to our passage today. In the first chapter, the first few verses of Second Timothy. And the main truth that God wants you to see today is what matters in serving God is not our weaknesses, but God's strength. It's not your weakness that matters when it comes to serving God. All that matters is His strength. You see, our weaknesses do not hinder God from using us. It just seems to be human nature for us to think about our weaknesses first when we think about serving God. We know something uh, that God's calling us to do and, and we start thinking about, well, but, you know, I'm just so weak and I just don't have a good speaking voice or I, I'm just not good with people or I'm just not organized or I just can't seem to get up and do things. I want you to know your weaknesses do not hinder God from using you. Now, you may have physical weaknesses. Maybe we are unimpressive in our appearance. Now, think about the people you know of that are making an influence through the media in America. Newscasters, uh, talk show hosts, people that are making an impact through the media. And what you will notice is, you're hard-pressed to find an ugly one. 
Because, you see, Hollywood thinks you've got to be attractive, be appealing, to be used. And we in the church have been influenced by this Hollywood mentality. And we think, you know, if I'm not attractive, if I'm not a good-looking person, then, you know, God's, nobody's going to listen to me. I'm not going to be able to really do anything to amount to anything. Look at all the people that I see on television. They all look so great. Many of them have spent tens of thousands of dollars on surgery, so they'll look that way. But nevertheless, hey, they look great. Well, I want you to know, you don't have to be beautiful to be used by God. Now, as you think about the Apostle Paul, how do you think he looked? As you picture him in your mind, and you had to picture him as you read his letters. I mean, it's just natural to do so. How would you picture the Apostle Paul? You know how I picture him? Like Danny DeVita. Y'all know Danny? Short, kind of overweight, bald. You say, oh no, preacher, Paul was a handsome man. Well, let's see what it says. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is talking to the church there, and he's writing them, and he says, For they say, his letters are weighty, talking about Paul, and strong. In other words, when he writes, man, it really has authority behind it. But his personal presence is unimpressive, and his speech is contemptible. Paul's physical appearance was unimpressive. You wouldn't look twice at him. You wouldn't have looked at Paul and said, Man, that guy looks strong. Man, that guy just looks like he's got it together. And he just looks authoritative. I just want to listen to him. No, Danny DeVito. Well, maybe you can't speak well. You say, well, I'm just not a public speaker. I fumble my words and I cannot express myself well. And when I talk, I just feel like I'm a babbling fool. Well, what does it say about Paul's speech? You think he was a great orator? They said Paul's speech was contemptible. Now that word contemptible means to bring scorn. I mean, people didn't listen to Paul and think, man, what a commanding voice he has. There was something about his voice that they considered to be contemptible. The word means to amount to nothing. Now, I don't know if he had a high, shrill voice. I don't know what his problem was, but he didn't have a voice that you just said, man, you know, some people just have a voice that just commands authority. And when they speak, you just get the impression they know what they're talking about, even if they don't. That wasn't Paul. He didn't have that kind of voice at all. Moses stuttered. Moses told God, and he said, I stutter, how can I go? You see, it's not your weakness that matters. It's God's strength. Well, maybe you have a chronic illness. Maybe you've got something like fibromyalgia. Maybe you have arthritis or many of the other things that can be chronically wrong. And you think, you know, I just can't serve God because I'm just always feeling so bad and I'm just, you know, I'm just sick all the time. Well, you think Paul was a perfect picture of health? Look at what he told the church at Galatia. He says, but you know that I that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. 
and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe. Now Paul had some condition. He called it a thorn in his flesh in another place. And it was something that was chronic. And it was something that was so bad that he had to stop on his journey. And in Galatia, he ended up preaching while he was there. And it was something that he said they could have loathed him about it. Now, I don't know what that could have been. But imagine if it was something he said, you could have despised and loathed me because of this. It must have been something that was fairly bad. I mean, he prayed to God three times, God, take this thing away from me. Paul was weak. But that didn't hinder God from using it. Maybe we're prone to get sick easily. You know, preacher, I'm just always catching something. I've got allergies. I just always, my nose is running and sniffling and I'm coughing all the time. And I just don't feel good enough for God to use me. Well, what do you picture Timothy as? Some big, robust, strong guy that was never sick? Look at what Paul says about Timothy in 1 Timothy 5. He says, No longer drink water exclusively. But use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Timothy was sickly. He was a sickly guy. Frequent ailments. Physically speaking, he was nothing to brag about. But yet God used him. Doesn't matter if you have physical weaknesses. Doesn't matter if you have problems with sickness. Maybe you have temperamental weaknesses. Maybe you lack self confidence. Oh man, I could never go out and talk to people about the gospel. I could never stand up again in a in a front of a crowd and speak, or I could never stand up against the crowd and, and defend the gospel. Preacher, to be honest, I'm just afraid of people. You know when Paul came to the church at Corinth. And he described that coming to them. Do you know how he described it? He said, And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. Now that sounds to me like a man that didn't have self-confidence. In fear, in trembling, and in weakness. Well, maybe you're timid and and you're shy and you're just not a bold person. You just don't have one of those bold personalities. You know, preacher, I'm just not an assertive person. I don't like to stand out. I don't want to be out in front of a crowd. I don't want people to notice me. And if I've got to proclaim the gospel, if I've got to guard it and defend it, then I just, that scares me to death. Well, again, when you picture Timothy... What kind of personality do you think he had? Well, look over in 2 Timothy 1.4. Paul says, Longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. Paul said that when he left Timothy, Timothy cried. Now, I'm not saying that it's anything's wrong with crying. Don't get me wrong. But that's just not what we typically associate with a manly man. Not because somebody's, you know, leaving, going on a journey. And also look at what he tells him in 2 Timothy 1, 7. 
For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, fear, cowardice, but of power and love and discipline. Timothy's personality was one that was timid and shy. I mean, he had a tendency to, to kind of be cowardly. So you know what? You don't have to have a, a great personality or have a strong constitution to be used of God. Well, maybe you have circumstantial weaknesses. Maybe your situation is less than perfect. You know, preaching, my job is just so demanding right now, I just, just can't serve God. Or I'm under such financial pressure. Man, it's just draining all my energy to figure out how I'm going to even pay my bills. Or, you know, I'm just really having some struggles at work, preacher. I'm having some major parenting issues going on. I just really am so tied up, I can't serve God. My situation, when it gets better, when, when things get better. Or what do you think Paul's situation was like? You think he had the perfect situation? Now look at what he says in verse 16. He said, The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chains. Paul was chained in prison when he wrote this letter. And he was deep down in a dungeon. And his death was imminent. If you heard the phrase, famous last words, these were Paul's famous last words in this second epistle to Timothy. He died shortly after this letter was concluded. And in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, For which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the Word of God is not imprisoned. Well, none of us in here are in jail. Not right now. But Paul said, even though he was imprisoned, his circumstances did not keep him from serving God. Well, maybe you're too young or too old, you think. You know, I'm just too young. People are not going to listen to me. Or I'm just too old. And my mind doesn't work like it used to. Paul told Timothy in the first letter, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example to those who believe. Moses was 80 years old when he led the Israelites out of Egypt. As far as God is concerned, your age is not a weakness that His strength cannot overcome. Praise God, His strength overcomes our weaknesses. Now let's talk about the strengths that God has given Christians that overcomes those weaknesses that we all have. First, God strengthens us to overcome our weaknesses by His call on our life. Paul in verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Paul says, I'm an apostle because God has called me. It is by His will that I have been called To serve Him. Now once God called Paul, 
From then on, Paul's weaknesses did not matter. It was God's strength that mattered. Remember Paul's conversion on that Damascus road? When he was there and he saw that blinding light and God called him there and told him to go and to spread the word to the Gentiles? You see, Paul had the first prerequisite for being used by God, and that is he was called. When God calls us to serve Him in a particular service, He always gives us the grace we need to fulfill that service. And if you're a mother, He's called you to be a mother. If you're a dad, He's called you to be a dad. A teacher, a deacon, a nursery worker, whatever. He will give you the grace to fulfill that ministry that He's called you to. When God calls, our human weakness is not a factor. That's why Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Not in His power, not in His strength, but in the strength of God. Secondly, God strengthens us with eternal life to overcome our weaknesses. Paul goes on to say in verse 1, According to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. What life is he talking about? He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about the resurrection life. Paul's new life in Christ gave him victory over sin and death. Even as he faced death, he did not have to be afraid because he had the hope of eternal life. God had also given Timothy this eternal life. Look in verse 2. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's another way of saying, Timothy, you have eternal life too. Because first, he has the grace of God. And what is God's grace? But God's unmerited pardoning and transforming power. He also had the mercy of God. God's mercy is His compassion. In Romans, the book of Romans, it's synonymous with God's saving love. And then he said, Timothy had peace. That consciousness of having been reconciled with God. And when God gives us eternal life, He gives us His power. Christ and His resurrection power come to live within us. And He is able to overcome any of our human weaknesses. Thirdly, God strengthens us by His working in us to overcome our weaknesses. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. God thanks Excuse me, Paul thanks God. Why? Why does he thank God for Timothy? Because he knows that because it's God working in Timothy, that Timothy is what he is. Paul doesn't thank Timothy for what's going on because he knows it's not Timothy. It's God who is working in him. He thanks God because he knows that it's God who is enabling Timothy to grow and to serve. And God is the one who's working in you and working in me to enable us to serve as well. God never says, now that you're a Christian, go out and give it your best. 
But what does he say? Now that you're a Christian, you've got me working in you. And I will fulfill my ministry through you. It's God who works in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And since it's God working in you, your weakness doesn't matter. Your weakness cannot overcome the power of God. Because it's God working in you, His strength is what matters. Number four, God strengthens us through people's prayers to overcome our weaknesses. Verses 3 and 4. Remember, Paul was thanking God in verse 4, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. Paul's constant prayers for Timothy. He says, I pray night and day for you, Timothy. And it was those prayers that God used to strengthen Timothy to fulfill the work that God had given him. We need the prayers of God's people as well. In our weaknesses, power comes through Christians who are praying for us. Now this shows the importance of prayer, doesn't it? You need to be praying for me, I need your prayers. We need to be praying for each other, I need to be praying for you. Prayer is one of the means that God uses to strengthen us and overcome our weaknesses. Number five. God strengthens us through believing parents to overcome our weaknesses. Verse 5, Paul says, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Timothy's mother and grandmother were believers, and God used them to teach Timothy the things of God, to bring him into a knowledge of salvation and their prayers and love and example and teaching were a means of strengthening Timothy and enabling him to overcome his natural weaknesses. We should thank God for Christian parents, for uh, Christian friends, for Christian spouse who pray for us. Because this is a means of God's strength to have Christian parents as an example of godly living. To have a spouse who is an example of godly living. These are tremendous means of strengthening us to overcome those weaknesses that we have. Next, God strengthens us by our spiritual gift to overcome our natural weaknesses. Verse 6. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul exhorts Timothy to stir up, fan the flame, kindle afresh, make it blaze. It's the idea of, of embers smoldering and blowing on them or doing something to make them flame up again. He says, look, he says, you had a spiritual gift that God gave you when the hands were laid upon you in ordination. He said, now, that's for some reason it had, it had lain dormant. He said, now, fan it, get it going again. For some reason he had neglected that gift. And he said he was in danger of quenching the spirit by not exercising that gift. It may be he was handicapped with his frequent illnesses. It may have been 
because he was naturally timid and shy, because he was a young man, maybe because of the opposition was so strong and determined against him. Nero was persecuting Christians at this time, and maybe he was afraid of that. For whatever reason, we don't know, but for some reason he was neglecting that gift that had been given him for the purpose of strengthening him to overcome his weaknesses. And Paul says, stir up that gift. Kindle it afresh. Now here Paul is stressing man's responsibility. Timothy's human responsibility was to kindle afresh that gift. And by faith, exercise that gift in God's power. Now you and I also have been strengthened by a spiritual gift to overcome our weaknesses. Every one of us who are Christians have at least one spiritual gift. As Peter tells us, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Your spiritual gift is God's power to overcome your weakness. If God has gifted you with the gift of evangelism, I don't care how timid or shy you are. That gift that God has given you will overcome that weakness. The gift that God's given you is His power to overcome your weakness in serving Him. When you're serving God in the area of your giftedness, that is His power. Your human weaknesses are of no account. They don't matter at all. It's the power of God working through the gift of God that will accomplish the will of God. You see, it's not your human weaknesses, but it's God's power that matters. Next, God strengthens us by giving us the Holy Spirit of power, love, and discipline to overcome our human weaknesses. Verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Notice, the very thing that Timothy needed, God had already provided. In his weakness and frailty, God had provided the Holy Spirit of power and love and discipline. The very thing Timothy needed, Paul said, You already have it, Timothy. The Spirit of God is all the power you need. He'll overcome that timidity you have, that fearfulness. He will take care of you. He will give you the discipline. He will give you the love you need. Did not Paul say, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Through His Spirit... God has already supplied everything you need to overcome your weakness and serve Him. Everything. I don't care what your weakness is or what your weaknesses are. God has already given you in His Holy Spirit, who lives within you, everything you need to overcome those weaknesses and serve Him. The God who calls us supplies everything we need to fulfill that call. 
Forget about your weaknesses. And get caught up in God's strength. Your weaknesses are not a hindrance to you serving God. In fact, your weaknesses are a benefit in you serving God. Because before God can use us, He's got to break us. And if you already realize you've got weaknesses, hey, you already own the road of brokenness. What did Paul tell Timothy? I mean, excuse me, what did God tell Paul when Paul said, Look, get this, fix me, heal me, I, my weakness is weighing me down. God said, My grace is sufficient. For in weakness, my power is perfected. Isn't that what he told Paul? He tells you and me the same thing. My grace is sufficient. In your weakness, my power will be perfected. When she was six weeks old, she had an eye infection. There were no doctors in town. This guy came through town claiming to be a doctor and he told her parents that they needed to put a a solution on her eyes. She went blind at six weeks old. A couple of months later, her dad died. Her mom had to go and hire herself out as a maid. She was a 21-year-old widow. Her grandmother raised her. Her grandmama had to be her eyes. And she taught her about descriptions of things and how to imagine her world around her. Her grandmother was a Christian. And her grandmother taught her about the gospel of Jesus Christ. About the importance of trusting God. When she would cry because she couldn't go to school like other little girls, her grandmother would say, pray. Pray and ask God to give you knowledge. When she was an adult, a preacher was talking to her one day and he said, It's too bad when God gave you so many gifts, He didn't give you the gift of sight. And she said, If when I was born, I could have had only one prayer, I would have prayed that I would be born blind. I caught the preacher's attention. He said, Why? She said, Because the first face I see will be the face of my Savior when I get to heaven. Her name was Frances Jane Crosby. Fanny Crosby. The hymn writer that wrote over 8,000 hymns. She wrote, Rescue the perishing, safe in the arms of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. To God be the glory. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Redeemed, oh how I love to proclaim it. Draw me nearer, nearer. He hideth my soul. Jesus is tenderly calling. And thousands of more. 
She says if she had not been blind, she would have been distracted by all the things of the world. But Fanny Crosby trusted God. His power overcame her weakness. Let's pray. Father, thank You that it does not depend on our strength, but Your strength. That our weaknesses do not matter. But what matters is Your power working within us. Drive this truth home into each of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand as we sing together. Would you step out in response to the Holy Spirit as He is talking to you?